everybody. Today I have the pleasure of uh, having Neil uh, join myself in a bit of a conversation. Um, Neil, can I invite you to introduce a bit of yourself and who you are and why you're sitting here today? Certainly, Carlos. Thanks for the, uh, thanks for the introduction. As you know, I've got long history in insurance, so I've been in the insurance industry 25 years. Uh, across all classes, really, uh, commercial insurance, property, um, including motor and, uh, and life insurance. And I've also I've, I've managed underwriting um, in various guises, particularly here in Equifax. And it's really good now to be um, operating within a, such a fantastic um, data and analytics company because I think my sense is that the, the opportunities for using data um, and using your skills, basically, analytics uh, in the insurance industry has got a, is a great opportunity. And uh, I think my experience tells me that there's um, great ways in which we can provide assistance to insurers. Great. Yeah, and no, I look forward to this conversation. Yeah, my name's Carlos. Yep. Um, I am at Equifax. My, I work as a data analytics designer. Uh, the best way that I explain what I do is I'm the waiter um, connecting the Equifax kitchen, where we have all of the chefs who cook all the AI, machine learning, um, all of data asset, um, to basically all the problems, that we, um, all the customer challenges and all of the um, different industries and all, how they can apply data analytics. And I'm sort of the connector in the middle. I always say, I like as a waiter, I like connecting with the clients that understand their dietary requirements, their spices, their allergies. So that I guess what I find is analytics, there's many ways to build analytics, but it is how do we actually build analytics that is tailored to exactly what the customer needs and what the client needs. And I was previously the head of client analytics, and now I guess I focus on designing solutions. Um, really a lot of the art of the possible. And today, the topic that we're going to explore, Neil, um, is an interesting topic. The topic of the is, is, are insurers optimizing the use of data? Mm -hmm. So are the uh, different classes of insurance, are they really optimizing the use of data? And I think earlier in our conversation, I think I really like this concept saying, you know, we, what we know is, is, you know, we know what we know, and what we don't know, we also know what we don't know. What I'm trying to get at is, what is the, the opportunity and sort of the threat and the challenges is what we think we know, but we actually don't know. Uh, if I use the driving analogy, that would be our blind spots. You know, I, I know what's ahead of me, I know what I can't see, but it's the blind spot that I think I know what I'm seeing, but I actually don't see it. Neil, can I ask you to articulate sort of, yeah, different, different market, like, you know, the industry, industry uh, the insurance industry is very large, different classes. As a market as a whole, what are some of these sort of market gaps that you see from the different insurance classes? Well, I think um, if, you, if you were to look at motor, for instance, mm. Now, obviously, there's a level of exchange of information, but predominantly, the management of fraud within the insurance, uh, the mm -hmm. motor insurance industry, is pretty, pretty minimal. Mm -hmm. um, and although they exchange information between them, uh, between the insurers, there's a sort of, um, I, I guess, a lack of knowledge about the information that could be obtained mm -hmm. from yes. external sources to help manage the fraud risk. Yes. So just recently I was talking to one of the claims managers of one of the biggest insurers and we, we touched on fraud. Um, and he commented that um, it's not uncommon in motor insurance where one insurer discovers a fraudulent claim, maybe um, yes. um, you know, organised crime, that they phone each other with the information. Yes. <laughs> so, so it's still at that level. 
Um, you know, earlier on I spoke about the, the use that financial institutions make of data that isn't replicated in insurance. And when he told me that, that was a clear example of, um, of really what's a fairly antiquated way of managing these things. Bearing in mind that that particular insurer would have had lots of information of their own. Yes. Yeah, but what, what they didn't know, or what they don't know, is what's happening in the broader industry. Particularly, they know some of it, because obviously there's, there's a level of exchange. But that's another interesting point, too, because whilst there's a level of exchange in some motor and property, that's only, a, that's only one class of insurance. Uh, when you think about the world that we live in in insurance, life insurance and all the income protection policies and, and medical indemnity insurance and yes, commercial yes. insurance and all these types of things, you know, the, the, um, the size of the um, classes that have no exchange of information is the lion's share. And so it's really, I think our challenge really as we, as we discuss this is to, is to consider those unknown unknowns that we have and that the insurers have and work out how do we, how do we take that opportunity and how do, we, how do we make that more of a common theme across insurers. And I really like what you said there, identifying one of that, that gap in that blind spot is my perspective and what I see um, from my experiences in actuarial world, data science world, analytics world, is recognizing that a lot of the data that, let's say, the insurance industry collect is self-disclosure, is based on asking a question um, from the policyholder or the potential policyholder, um, do you have X and Y and Z? What is your roof type? What is your wall type? You know, have you had offenses? What is your income? So on and so forth. Yeah. And I think, first of all, the optimizing of the data is, well, are there... Well, blind spot is, are there unknown? The, what do you call it? The known unknown, the known unknowns? Yeah, Donald, Rump, actually Donald, Donald that, failed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Like, so, so information that as an insurer you think you know, but in fact you actually don't know, yeah. um, that blind spot. For example, like, um, you know, I think we were talking about it earlier, didn't we? Where you rely on the policyholder to disclose their income. Well, how do you actually ensure or verify or check? that that income matches reality. I still remember, this is years ago, and I think I can talk about it now. Um, it's now 2023. Uh, for those listening in years right. later, this year, today is 2023. Um, this is nearly a long time ago, um, 10 plus, 15 years ago. Um, they were the days when, so you know, I, my, 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 before I worked into actuarial and data science, I was an engineer. Um, so I was basically doing what we call computer vision, being able to, from images, analyze whether, you know, information from images. Um, so this is before the, the birth of Google and the Google Maps. So one of my questions um, that the insurer asked me to help with was, are you able to, just from looking at images, work out whether a property has pools, have trees, and how close the trees are, how tall they are, and so on and so forth? And the answer was, yeah, that's mm -hmm. what I knew from my engineering experience. But we did... What, what it took was connecting that tech, engineering technology to an insurance application. Yeah. So at that time, they were basically asking, do you have a pool? And what we actually found when we started correlating those information where there were people essentially who have pools who say they don't. Because as soon as you have a pool, especially in the hotter um, regions, motor burnout, insurance premium skyrocket. In fact, another one is, I mean, you know, there's an insurance podcast. We talk about insurance uh, industry understanding. Um, the presence of tall trees. 
presence of tall trees near a house is basically one of the biggest, um, you know, from a claims angle, one of the uh, one of the biggest causes of um, high high claims damage. So when you mm. ask people, well, do you actually have a tall tree near you? Mm. From the images, you can see there's four, but they may say no. That part of this information gathering, as you're saying, the in yeah. information sharing and exchange and verification yeah. is potentially one of the gaps that we see still exist in the insurance market at the moment. I, th I think um, verific verification is one of the key, my key interests because, I mean, if you, if you look at um, insurance products or classes that require um, an, a, a, a proposed insured to verify their income, okay, so there are many of them. I mean, a couple of them, for example, would be um, uh, income protection mm -hmm, in, mm -hmm. in life insurance, uh, where what you're doing is you're insuring through your policy that if you're unable to earn an income, that your income will be replaced while you're disabled, or while you're uh, while either, te either temporarily or permanently disabled. Yes, but, yes. Um, but the point is that it relies on statements of income, and it relies on a lot of um, um, work ensuring that the proposed insure, insured has that income to replace in the first place. Okay, so so that that's a lot of work there. So say similar in workers' compensation, where for a worker to make a claim, they need to demonstrate by proof of um, income that they've had that in, that they've had their salary paid up until a certain point in time. And there are many others. Um, so so you've got a sort of a joint problem here. First of all, you've got the onus and the burden of proving the income on yes. the insured. So they have to provide it. I mean, I'm not sure if it's, if it's the same today, but not that long ago in workers' comp, an insured had to provide a year's evidence of salary. Yes, so it, yes. It can be quite an undertaking. And it's a particular undertaking to Carlos when the person you're dealing with has suffered something. That's why they're making a claim. You know, they might be in hospital or they might be disabled in some other way. So you're really dealing with people at the worst point in their lives quite often. So to alleviate them of having to provide this information is very important. Um, and so how do we verify that information though is, is one of the things that, that I'm keenly interested in because as you know um, we have the tools here to, um, to verify income. Now I've spoken to a number of insurers recently they didn't realise that. And so it's, it's this unknown unknown that we need to sort of like connect up the dots. Agree, say, agree. Okay, this is the opportunity from the data and the information that's available, not only to um, not only to ascertain information, but to verify it. Is this person who they say they are? Is their claims history fully disclosed? Is their income fully disclosed? Um, you know, if it's a business. Um, is the business, how long has it been running for? Who are the directors? <coughs> Excuse me. Um, are, the, are the directors heavily indebted? This is on the commercial side of things. Yes, yes, uh, yes. So there's a whole range of stuff. Um, and, and by and large, it's, it's, it's pretty, pretty much unrepresented in the insurance industry, in my, in and, my and view. I, in my, yeah, in my yeah. experience. I, and yeah. I think what we talked about earlier, Neil, wasn't it, where um, one of our conversations we came up with was sort of saying, from, from let's say data, data ourselves where we are a data business and other data businesses the data industry it, I, I sort of say it's like it's like the supermarket in the supermarket they stock all the different spices that is available um, but what 
when when you ask the supermarket whether they've got the soup spices, they go, "Well, I've got I've got all the spices. I can give them all to you." What I think we haven't the, the dots that haven't connected was whether all the spices that's stocked in the supermarket can be leveraged to cook Indian cuisine, Japanese cuisine, Chinese cuisine, Italian cuisine. So in a sense, is what are these particular ingredients that is relevant to different classes of insurance even? Yeah. And I think it's that connecting the dots that that like you talk about the technology. I remember every time we have a chat, um, I sit there and listen and go, actually, Neil, the technology you talk about is actually there. But it hasn't been connected to an insurance use case and a problem. And I think it is, it, it is exciting. Uh, I, I use that uh, another analogy where, you know, we talk about, um, you talk about the income verification. I know that currently the income verification solution that is out in the Australia market is suitable for the financial, the, the banks and the financial institutions. But it may not be a exact. Um, it cannot be sort of just picked up and dropped into the insurance um, application. Mm. Yeah. So you can sort of say, well, there's no solution there, or you can say, wow, that's really the opportunity and the gap. Uh, the, the analogy I use is sort of a you know a shoe company send two person to uh, a remote region, let's say in Africa. And you have the two person coming back, and one says, "You know what? They don't wear shoes." Or you have the other person that comes back, and go, oh, "They don't wear shoes, <laughs> right?" And I think that's some of these blind spots that we are seeing in saying the insurers don't have a mechanism to verify income, and and that creates opportunities. I also see back in the analytics and data to say, "Well, how could we actually develop now new solutions?"、Mm. To actually help re- reduce or even remove or minimise this market gap, which is for the whole industry, really. Yeah, and I think、um, I mean, interesting. You, as you were speaking, I was thinking about、um, some work we're doing with、uh, one of the medical indemnity insurers at the moment,、mm. where、um, uh, at a meeting、um, we outlined what, what we in Equitech refer to as a data、um, a data fabric. And, and it really outlines a lot of the different places that we obtain data from and how it's used.、Um, and when that picture was was observed, and、um, the opportunity for income, so so the the little picture of income became relevant.、Um, it, it, it turned out that、um, the, the the value or one of the values in that class of insurance. It's very premium. It's based on it, on on declared income. Yes, yes. And so obviously there's a big tendency. There's a there's a、um, I wouldn't say a big tendency, but th- there must be a inclination to understate income in order to minimise your premium.、Um, so so the leakage really in that space could be in two places. It's 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 premium leakage at the beginning, and then later on in a claim scenario, it's leakage at claims time. And so, you know, what what we what we potentially stumbled on there was a big unknown unknown. I.e.,、Um, the the insurer had contemplated that they might be suffering a leakage at those points. Yes. But until that moment, they weren't aware that there was a way of rectifying that and minimising the leakage in a way that doesn't negatively impact the customer journey, because that's key in these in these in these situations. So. You want your insured to have a seamless journey 
irrespective of the fact that you put these disciplines into place in order to make sure you've got a viable insurance business. Absolutely. And yeah. so, yeah. so it's, it's having those conversations and looking through, um, looking through the data fabric, looking through the, um, looking through how it works, that sort of um, causes opportunities and gaps to be uh, to be analysed. And, and I think we are now, you know, we talk about we're now in an industrial revolution. For um, it means what is we in a, in an era where. It's a it, it's an in, it's an industrial revolution. It is actually yeah. a change. It's a different yeah. kind of revol- industrial revolution, and I'd, I'd say it's sort of like um, it, if 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 the perspective that mindset doesn't change, it'll be like you're constantly trying to find tr- trying to get the, a faster horse, yeah. without even thinking about that you can actually drive. So I mean, yeah. if you ask those people back in the old days um, who who are riding horses, you know, uh, what 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 do you want? They'll go, I want a faster horse. I remember yeah. that's a Henry Ford quote. He goes, yeah, no, don't ask them what they want. They'll yeah. say faster horses. Yeah. Um, and I think we are also at a, at, at a, at a sort of in an era now, in a, mm-hmm. in, in a time 2023, where there is opportunities really to go from horses to cars. Um, and the way that we used to do things, these mm-hmm. are the sort of the blind spot that we're trying to address, the, the unknown unknowns. Those are the opportunities to actually now put a new perspective on it and and I think those businesses and insurers who actually take that leap and have that mindset are going to be the insurers of the future. I think so, absolutely and I think that, um, you know, we're in the era of open data. I think that, um, you know, historically at least um, there's a level of um, uh, sensitivity amongst insurers about keeping Mm -hmm. their data Mm -hmm. tight Yes, uh, yes. They manage in their own risk, competitive pressures, and all those types of things. And I get it; I've, I've been in that space. But you know, if you move forward, as you say, till 2023, open data. We've got a world where information can move without secrets escaping. Um, mm-hmm. Where data can be provided, where information can be exchanged. Uh, not only for the management of portfolios, but also for insights into how industries are doing and how different mm-hmm. portfolios mm-hmm. and classes are performing. There's a world of opportunity that exists today that I'm fairly sure didn't exist probably five, ten years ago. Yes. And so, so part of the journey for all of us, and when I say us, I talk, I'm talking from an insurance perspective, because uh, I'm an insurance ops person. The opportunity for us is to have a look and to say, okay, let's, let's, oh, let, let's explore this with a bit more of an open mind. Um, let's see if our customer journey can be improved. Let's see if our um, um, losses to fraud, which, yeah. you know, it's massive, what, 10% of premiums, it's just billions of dollars, uh, whether that can be addressed, because that's an important point too. I mean, you know, all the while you're not addressing your fraud risk, you're passing that on in terms of, in, of, of premiums yes, to yes, insurance. Yes. Right? Yes. And, then, and then, of course, we're getting the problems that we have in all sorts of different classes of insurance where it's unaffordable. Uh, so there are areas in which you can really make a difference. Um, and it doesn't necessarily mean increasing premiums. It just means managing your book in a, in, in a, in a way that's more reflective of 2023. 
And we have we definitely have seen the power of data sharing and how it has affected the the banking industry, the, the no, credit absolutely. industry, no. um, with the, with open data, open banking, with comprehensive credit reporting. That has fundamentally shifted the whole industry. And and I think yeah, I, no. my perspective on it, I think we share the same sentiment, uh, mm. Neil. That I think it's only a matter of time that the insurers, the insurance industry, would also begin embarking on this. The, to, to leverage the power of data sharing. Yes. Yeah, that's right. It's, it's not just the power of data because you know you, you speak yes. to anybody and they say, "Oh, we're a watcher of data." It's it's how you manage your data and how you exchange it and share it, and what benefits you get from both of those things. Um, yeah, so it's an exciting time. Yeah, it's exciting. Uh, I still remember when I first began in actuarial work, from engineering work, a lot of different times. Um, I remember talking to people who are very experienced in industry, they've got experience, but they go, Carlos, who, like, you know, we've been doing this for 20, 30 years. You're telling us that an algorithm says we should be rating this way instead of that way. Yeah. Um, you know, we've been using this method for a long time. You're saying that just by some engineering, analyzing some images, you think we should change the way we price. Um, look, those were tough times to persevere instead of saying, well, no, there is, there is value um, in looking at it from a different angle, a different perspective based on data analytics. And now mm. I think that that has built my resilience to know that when we come up with um, challenges now, we just have to keep believing in what we see because yeah. I believe in the longer run it will add value. And the whole industry has shifted. Mm. And I think the insurance industry will shift once again.